Uh, are, we, are we on? Are we on? Are, are we on here on a, a fine Saturday morning in Kansas City? Well, I'm going to say fine. It's really cloudy and it's a little gloomy. It's supposed to rain a little bit later on today, but I'm not no weatherman here. This is Saturdays with Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. And sorry about last week. Technical difficulties could not get me on the air. This board is just, I mean, you guys get it. I mean, if you've uh, been here since day one, knowing that this board is, uh, yeah, yeah, you, I'm not going to say it. You already know how this board is. So, yeah, no, it's going to be a fun show today here for this one jam-packed hour on the Bet 1660. As always, you can chime into the show at Kramer Talks, at me on Twitter. Honestly, if you have me on social media, whether that's Snapchat, Instagram, I mean, I don't get on Facebook. Facebook's a cesspool. That's just not for me. I mean, anyway, you can reach out to me, ask me a sports question or two, go for it. So, yeah, no, this week, AFC West is shaping up perfectly. We have, we're going to go over some... Uh, some Major League Baseball stuff going on here as well, whether that's the Astros going to the World Series, which they clinched last night, or if it's just rules coming to the sport as itself. We're also going to do our daily fantasy because we're on a roll. Even last week, I did, I couldn't uh, tell you guys what um, my lineup was, but I still hit on it. And also the NHL. Why not talk about hockey since it's like two weeks going on? But let's just start off things first, as per usual. We'll start off with the NFL currently because of how hot it is, how hot and heavy it is, and we're, we're heading into week seven. Like, it's already week seven. That means there's 10 more weeks left in the National Football League regular season until we get to January, which is ridiculous that November is not even, I mean, it's a, we'll classify it as two weeks because the 31st is on a Sunday of October, so... Not this Monday, but the next Monday after that. I mean, November 1st, then on the, that Wednesday is my birthday, which is awesome. I'm turning 25. I mean, granted, I'm 25 years old, and the radio industry is kind of cool. But still, we're at week seven currently in the NFL, and things are shaping up perfectly, I feel like. I think we're, we're actually starting to see, if you actually look at the, the schedules for the rest of the teams in the AFC West, whether if it's the Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, or Broncos, we could see things shape up. And like that's why the, earlier this week, if you don't follow me on Twitter, go for it, Kramer Talks. And I had an AFC West thread of what they could shape up to be. And for me, going from team by team, we'll start with the Chiefs. The Chiefs have at least six for sure wins left on their schedule. If they play like they did in the second half of the Washington football team game, then they have at least eight wins left on their schedule. Because that's the thing. That, that offense in the second half of the Washington football team against them played electric. Even the defense stepped up, but then again, it's also the Washington football team, which the, the offense really isn't that potent. But they have at least six to eight for sure win games left, which that makes the Chiefs finishing at least with a nine and eight record or 11 and six record. And I also posed all these with a poll on which one they, people agree with, and 96.4% of the votes sided with the 11 and six season. Granted, I am also followed by a ton of Chiefs fans because of Arrowhead pride. So I get it. Like this is, it could be eleven to six or a nine and eight team. This also could be a ten and seven team. I feel like the 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 range, the ceiling for the Chiefs to win games is eleven games. Lowest is probably nine. So that's not a bad thing. And also, this also puts them either in second or third place in the division because of other teams with better with better schedules. We'll just say it like that way. Like let's look at the Raiders. Now, I think they have at least eight for sure wins left in their schedule as it's pending any type of drastic collapse. Like prior seasons to them. They could finish with a record of at least 12 and 5 or realistic, realistically they could finish with a record of 10 and 7. And about 80% of the votes said the 10 and 7 is more likely for the Raiders, which that puts them second place in the division. 
or if it's the 11 and 6 with the Chiefs they're in third place. So there's at least going to be two there will be at least three teams in the AFC West this year that will be above 500. That's including the Chiefs, of course the Chargers cuz the Chargers have the easiest schedule to date for the rest of the AFC West because I mean cuz of how the Raiders are finishing they'll just somehow be ahead of them. Because of the way that the, the the Chargers are, they have at least seven to eight for sure wins left. This is also a team that's four and two. That's the reason why I also had the the the, the Raiders up there to either beat a twelve and five or a ten and seven because of how they're four and two currently. So the Chargers could easily finish eleven and sixteen or twelve and five, and eighty percent of the people voted that eleven and six is the most favorable on this one. But twenty percent said twelve and five. Yeah, we can we could see this. We could see how that could shape up that way. Then you come in with the Broncos. They started off red hot, three and zero. But then they also played the Jets, Jags, and Giants, the 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 two J's and a G that are the terriblest teams in the NFL. And they have at least three wins left in their on their schedule. I think there's three. So they're currently right now three and three, tied with the Chiefs, actually above the Chiefs currently in the standings. Chiefs are still in last place of the division currently until probably the end of this week. But then they're also playing the Titans, so that could also make sure that they might lose this one. But 58% of the votes say, okay, 6-11. 6-11 is a, a good for the Broncos, which the Broncos are just terrible. They're, they're, they're the worst team in division. I, I, like, I thought it was funny at the beginning of the season where people were like, oh, no, the Raiders are the worst team in the division. No, 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 no. But the, Bron- the Broncos don't have a quarterback. The, the defense isn't what, they're, what it's cracked out to be. Everybody always gets hurt on that defense. Heck, even on the offensive side, they get hurt. Even Jerry Judy hasn't came back from that ankle injury. So... The, the Broncos are always that team now that it's like, all right, you had your run early on in the, the 2010 era with Peyton Manning there bringing you Super Bowls so and winning divisions. So wait, the Broncos are probably going to not be at, at the cusp of anything relatively soon at all, maybe in the next 10 to 15 years, possibly, possibly. But the Broncos are just there just to be the bottom feeders of this division for the next 5 to 10 years. Like That's what they are. And we can obviously see a shift because of how teams work out. The defense may be good, but once the time the offense catches up to the defense, the defense might be puttering down. It's kind of like what we've seen with the Kansas City Chiefs here. We've seen this offense with Patrick Mahomes took the helm back in 2019, I believe. His first full start. It might be, it might be 18. No, 19, 19, 19. Because they won the Super Bowl in 20. So 19, they lost to the Patriots. So the 18-19 season was when Mahomes started. But we saw how good that offense was. That defense was terrible. Then the year that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, the defense actually came up and was with par, a little bit under par, no, above par with the Chiefs' offense. And now they, the defense is just terrible. The offense is good of how the season's worked out. It's just we've seen the shift like that. That's always what happens. So when I also pose the question of how is this division going to look and shape up, 50% of the votes said that it's going to be the Chargers, Chiefs, Vegas, and then the Broncos is going to be one through three. So that makes the Chargers the one, the Chiefs the two, the, the Raiders the three, and the Broncos the four. I don't agree with that. If anything, I could still see the Chiefs winning this division if they somehow make their miraculous run, which they probably won't. And then you got the Raiders. I think the Raiders, no matter what's finishing second in this division, they're, they're, that's just how this team has been capable and been put together and molded. This is also a... Now, Rich Bisacci team. So, it's it's just weird. We got the entirety of John Gruden stuff that just happened all, what, a week and a half ago now? Resigned. 
and then they go out and they spank the Broncos that following Sunday, and now they have the Eagles this week who they could easily spank tomorrow. So it's just a, a weird shape-up with this team. So I still have full trust and capability that this team is going to still finish second, or they could finish first. This is a different team. People have yet to jump. No, I wouldn't say jump on the bandwagon because there's no bandwagon to jump on, but the, the true fans of said team, such as the Raiders, you you could tell the difference. You could tell the the aspect of what they're trying to put on the field, and it's actually working and molding, and figuring out that, heck, you could throw deep balls to either Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards, and they could still get it. Like, Henry Ruggs, the past four, five weeks, has had one or two catches that has been resulted in 40-plus yards and a touchdown. Like, we, we've seen this. We've seen these plays dialed up for him and seen plays dialed up for Edwards. They're doing this because they are being able to create space with Darren Waller. People are more focused on the tight end rather than they are on the streaking um, the X or the Y receivers or the Z. Heck, then, then you get Hunter Renfro is right there wide open for that third and Renfro. So this team is is good. This You need to... You are not on the the belief of the Raiders trying to do good in this division, whether that's finishing first or second. Then you need to, like, I guess, stop watching football because I don't understand how you don't see what I see. The Chargers, eh, I don't trust Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is just a, he's a guy that's out there. He might have an arm. He does definitely have two arms on his body. But having that that one right arm is just a, it's, it's good. But it's just, how could that defense help you stay put in this division to keep you on top? Because right now, the Chargers defense is terrible. They're the worst run defense in the league. And they're going to try to be compared to the Chiefs. Which, I mean, and granted, you could say that the, the Chargers are a spitting image of the Chiefs because they don't have a defense, but they have a great offense. I still would take Patrick Mahomes over Justin Herbert any day, though. But yeah, no, that's, uh, that's just how this, this division is going to shape up. It's probably going to be... Chargers, Raiders, because of the schedules and the Chiefs and the Broncos. That's how I think it's going to go from top to bottom rather than compared to what everyone else thinks. But going on to this week, with the Chiefs and Titans that is going to be happening on Sunday, this is just a, a question that was posed to I mean, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, on trying to stop Derrick Henry, and this is what he said in his media availability yesterday. A lot of these guys have been in the league long enough. They get it. I mean, they understand that this is the guy that makes it go. This has got to be the main focus, you know, population to the football. Uh, I can go through all the little things about teaching tackling, but I think our guys get it. Um, we spent some time yesterday individual where that's all they did. Uh, and even then, I still I don't think it, you're going to get the real feel for what it's going to be like when you get the first hit. But I know that uh, power is speed times mass. So our little guys should run fast, right? And our, our big guys just got to make sure they keep all that mass. But uh, that, he's, a, he's a challenge, no question. I mean, we got, that's the first thing we focused on. Derrick Henry is going to destroy and eat all over the Chiefs' defense tomorrow. There's, there's no question about it. We've seen him stiff arm Josh Norman into, I mean, non-existent. I mean, after he got stiffed arm when he was in that Buffalo game where he just got pretty much picked up and thrown out of bounds... We haven't heard from any in forever. And then you got to think about last year in the playoffs. We haven't heard anything from Earl Thomas since he got stiff-armed to the ground. So I'm just curious of which Chiefs player, which I honestly think is going to be LeJarrius Sneed, who's going to get stiff-armed into the ground and he's going to be made a meme. 
it's going to be just like how Josh Allen leaped over him two weeks ago. And, yeah, it's going to be on T-shirts, going to be on posters, going to be on everything. It's going to be on the like pixelated stuff that I've been seeing on, on, uh, on Twitter. So, Derrick Henry, it's so hard to tackle this man if he's as a 240-pound frame. He's like, what, six foot three? He's just all muscle, and he's, he can just run, bear you down. Heck, we saw last week against the Bills with the Titans where Poyer just not conceded to laying back and hopefully going for his legs and making sure he doesn't get ran over. I mean, he got ran over, but he also did stop Derrick Henry for not busting a, 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 a 60-yard run for a touchdown, which he already had a 70-yard run before that prior. This is a man who's on a mission to just run down your throat. That's exactly what Derrick Henry does. And then now the the question poses whether if it's not whether the the reasoning for the Chiefs offense or def, no excuse me the Chiefs defense isn't good because of how trying to move Chris Jones back to the middle which honestly they should probably move Chris Jones back to the middle at the defensive tackle spot for this game but here's the thing and the problem he lost I think too much weight for himself to be put back there. Plus, with this wrist injury is not working out for him, but he should play this week. But I'm just more curious to see the production of the run defense drastically go up because of the fact that the big man's in the middle, which he should be. And this is what Steve Spagnuolo said on the temptation of moving Chris Jones back to defensive tackle. I'm not sure where we'll be with that yet, um, but he has been inside. Uh, most of it's been third down and maybe some second and long. So he hasn't lost all the reps in there. What's been hired is because of the injury. He hasn't been out there doing either or. So we'll see where he's at by the end of the week. Uh, but we like moving Chris around. We just Sometimes that's dictated by the down and distance and how the play is going. I've, I've watched every single Chiefs football game this year so far because of working with post-game stuff over on our sister station, 610 Sports Radio. I have yet to witness Chris Jones being moved around to the defensive tackle spot and always staying put on the edge. Granted, we haven't watched Chris Jones play in two weeks. So that's also what kind of defactors of me not being able to watch that. But I do not remember or even recall seeing Chris Jones being moved back to the defensive tackle at all during a regular season game. I, I don't see it. So why are you feeding me this? Like, oh yeah, we like moving around and stuff. Then do it. Put him at defensive tackle. Oh, he's too small now. Which is wild to think because he Chris Jones is a massive, massive Nasty man. And I think he might have lost a little bit of his nastiness moving to the edge. He did. He's not quick enough at all on the edge. He's not. He can bully those inside guards, but he cannot bully the outside tackles. And that is a problem. You need to get to the quarterback, and with Chris Jones's sack numbers were skyrocketing because he can slip through that center or slip through that guard to just get to the quarterback rather than try to deal with a six foot seven, six foot nine tackle the NFL. That's also 300 plus pounds. It's hard. It's hard to get past the big men. Now, if you get past the, I mean, they're all big men, but if you try to get past the guards and center, I mean, it's a little bit easier because they're, they're notorious for your run blockers, not your pass blockers. That's why your tackles are there. Your tackles are your pass protection. You put your best player out there because Chris Jones is not no Miles Garrett. Chris Jones could be comparable to Aaron Donald, but after this season, what we've seen from Chris Jones, I don't think we can even compare him to Aaron Donald anymore. That's why Aaron Donald does so great at defensive tackle for the Rams is because he's able to muscle up the guards and also the center 
But he can also, if you put, say if you want to put Aaron Donald on the edge, I think Aaron Donald can get there because of how his size is and genetic freak he is in order to get to the quarterback. That's what I firmly believe. We'll get back on the topic, though, of Derrick Henry a little bit later on. But first, coming up next, there's new rules coming to America's pastime. We'll discuss next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on The Bet 1660. We're back at it this week. Sorry, it's a Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. As last week, I do apologize. Technical difficulties had me off the air, but hey, heck, 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 heck. It wasn't as bad as last week. I think last week in a nutshell was just terrible for me. And I mean, what's well, to start with after the game on Sunday night of not last, well, yeah, about two Sundays ago. It's the, the Sunday night loss of the Chiefs and Bills. We had that lightning delay, and then we also had the the downpour and stuff. But on my way back after work, which was around 3 o'clock in the morning, yeah, I had a flat tire. The, the flat tire happened to me. I was up until 5 o'clock in the morning. Cause I mean, the, the best thing about this flat tire was I was able to get to my apartment complex. That And then by the time I was there, I was backing in, I felt like, okay, there's something wrong here. Uh, my, my truck was leaning forward to the left, and... I'm like, okay, I have a flat tire. All right, so I went up to uh, went upstairs. To my went into my apartment. I was like, how? What am I gonna do? There's no way I'm going to be able to wake up early in the morning to get this done. So I, you know what? I just went out, kind of learned a life lesson, not a life lesson, more of like a, if you don't know how to uh, change a tire, you probably should learn because it's a, actually a very good resourceful tool to know and learn. So yeah, no, if uh yeah, I, I got it done around five ten, five twenty. I think my mother was waking up for work and I was like, Hey, I'm gonna just go to bed, get my four hours of sleep and make it to my first day of work on the on the new job. So yeah, that happened and yeah, then then we also let's fast flash forward to last Saturday. Couldn't get on air. So yeah, no, that was a it was a, a weird odd week for me, but it was also gonna be another weird odd probably upcoming season. For the Major League Baseball, because of new rule changes, could possibly be implemented into into the game and into America's pastime in Major League Baseball. But before that, congratulations to the Trastros, the Houston Trastros. Yes, I call them Trastros because of their cheating scandal of three years ago. But now they uh, are back in the World Series. They they beat the Boston Red Sox last night. I believe it was like six to nothing. I stopped watching after Kyle Tucker's uh, three run shot home run, and it was just a uh, yeah. No, um, uh, I I I absolutely hope. I don't want the Dodgers to make it there, but I want the Braves to make it there, and I want the Braves to win the World Series. That's just how everything's going to shape up now. I had the White Sox and Cardinals there, but that was long gone. It's just, I actually sketched all of that, shaking that away and putting it into my memory bank of what I used to, what I what I thought and hoped for. Couldn't get it, so it's. I'm hoping whoever the National League team is, I hope they beat the Astros in the World Series. But in Major League Baseball, we're seeing some implements of new possibilities Heck, with even uh, this upcoming season, the 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 Universal DH will possibly be there for for years to come. Uh, but there's uh, there's tests out there right now that they want to start in the minor leagues to one have robot umpires, which Boston Red Sox could have used those in this series. They they yeah no yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just laughing because of how many terrible bad calls that happened on game, I think it was four in Boston when they could have gotten out of the inning to be up by, I think, one, but they ended up blowing a 
a one-run lead, and they were down by, I think, eight after it because of a, a could have been a strike three call, was still in the strike zone. It brought back in. I think it was a curveball that actually came over to one of the lefties. It actually backdoored him. It should have been a, a strike three, but the umpire called it a ball, and it, everything went downhill from that. So Robert umpires is also a possibility for this upcoming season for the minor leagues. Larger bases and stealing first base. Um, yeah, stealing first base, when I say that, I actually physically had... I love baseball. Baseball is my main sport. I had to physically look up what do they mean by stealing first base. And I think I have it for you. But let's go back to robot umpires. If there is a true, genuine strike zone in Major League Baseball, which, I mean, it, it varies for height, then they... This should be a good thing, I believe. Because there will be no, there will never be no more arguing for balls or strikes. But what I'm curious about the robot umpire strike zone is how quick the home plate umpire will get the. Because I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be a, still a home plate umpire. It's not like we're going to. Um, because uh, that when we watch baseball games on TV, we see that imaginary box that that indicates what the strike zone should be and what it looks like, and if so, it's like more visual appealing to the viewer watching it on TV. I'm just curious of how quick the the response time is going to be for when the ball gets there and the umpire's like, okay, that's a ball. That's a strike. That's a ball. That's a strike. Or they should at least have it to where we have with replay now, which replay right now is just ridiculously it's inconsistent as you know what in Major League Baseball. So what I'm curious for, whether if the umpire is going to make the strike call judgment himself or whether if it's going to be he says it's a strike, but it's truly a ball, and then he can reverse that call right there on the fly. But that would look so awkward. It's like it, that might be as awkward as the players that getting checked by the umpires for the sticky stuff midseason this year when you know when Max Scherzer blew up said I ain't got nothing, or when they're like all pumped up and amped up and then heading into the after a big strikeout and heading into the dugout and then immediately being approached by an umpire to lose and then. After that, your pumped upness goes away because it's like, okay, I have to take off my belt, got to show him that, got to show him my hat, got to give give my gloves so he can look at that. There's just, it's just going to be so odd and awkward for when this actually happens, which is good. They're going to pra- practice this, try this out in the the lower levels of the minor leagues to say, okay, yeah, we're going to try this. So once they're going to fine tune it, then work it, bring it all the way up through the minor league system, I believe. Then by at some point, which I'm going to say. Within the next year or two, we, we, we might have a robot umpire. We, we might. And when I say robot umpire, it's not like there's going to be uh, Bender from uh, Futurama is going to be out there calling the strike zone. No, it's going to be like a, like the umpire's there. He's going to have like probably a little earpiece in and say, and like the person upstairs or from New York or however the hell they're going to do it. Be like, yeah, that's a ball. That's a strike. Which honestly, if it's New York going to be dictating whether it's going to be a ball or strike on the robot umpire, I'm going to say I'm done because New York screws up on so many reviewable plays, which is absolutely ridiculous how often they can, which it's not how often they do it because they play through so 162 games divide that by or multiply that by 32 teams. That's as many number of games that the, the team out in New York, the reviewable team always goes through a single season or every single year. So get it. There might be some that, you know, you have to brush under the rug because you, you mess up maybe 10 times one week, three times the next week, maybe 15 the week after that. There's none that week that you don't mess up on. There's always going to be some human error and element to all of this. 
That's why the robot umpires works, because there's no human error element to this at all. But if it's a, a New York guy going to be judging this strike zone or not, you better have at least two people looking at it, all eyes on deck for that so they can at least have it go quick, fast, do whatever, because people are, I'm guessing, losing interest in the game. And heck, even with a, an umpire that, let's just go back to that Boston Red Sox game on Game 5 of the uh, um, American League Championship Series, or that ball should have been called a strike, but yet the inning extended for 30 more minutes, which means the game kept on, you know, had to be prolonged. Which, honestly, prolonging games, especially in the postseason, which I'm getting tired, absolutely tired of people saying baseball is way too long, especially in this postseason. I get it. The games were long for the the Astros-White Sox series. I get it. The games were long for the Astros-Red Sox series and the championship series. I get it. But here's the thing. There's only one game being played. All eyes are on that. I could see how people would be like, oh, yeah, this is taking way too long. Oh, I'm, getting, I'm, getting really, I'm really getting sick and tired of this. Change the channel because if you're already complaining about how long the game is, you are definitely not a baseball fan. Because if you're at that game and you're watching what is being played on the field... You do not want the game to end, especially for how much money you spend for that ticket. If I'm getting a, a championship series ticket or going to get a World Series ticket, I want the game to go into extras. Because, heck, in Major League Baseball, we had the extra inning rules regular season, and then when it comes to the postseason, there's going to be no ghost runner on second base. Which is like, thank the Lord. Like, I enjoyed it regular season, but when it goes to postseason, make sure you take it away, which they do and which they've done. Because if a game goes for three hours longer than it's supposed to, I'm okay with it. I absolutely am okay with it because I love the sport. So I'm getting tired of people saying, oh, the games are way too long. So this is why this is why these rules are coming, because they're trying to speed up the game. They just say larger bases now. Larger bases. What good can come from larger bases? More stolen bases. That's Having a larger base gives you an extra advantage of getting your hand in there or your foot in there to get to the base. Okay, I get it. Players probably won't be thrown out often. They can probably beat off the throw to um, first base a lot, but it's a drop third strike. Is home plate going to be bigger? If home plate's bigger, is that going to expand the strike zone? Because you have more north to, no east to west on the plate now because if the, the plate's going to get bigger, you've got to expect it to get larger in all of the diameter of the home plate, so the strike zone's going to get bigger, so that's going to mess up the robot umpires. And larger bases can cause injury. It can. We can already see now that the bases already do cause injury because of how you slide into it. But if a player is trying to get adapted from a, which I, I get it, it's, it's just being all tic-tac-y and, uh, and anal about it. But if the bases is three inches thicker and larger in diameter and roundness, that three inches, that, that affects a lot of things. That, that affects when you should or should not slide. Your timing on that. And also your timing, if you do slide, do you want to go in head first or feet first? Because personally, for me, I always went feet first when I would always slide into a bag because, I mean, I feel like it's safer. But there's going to be a lot of probably hurt wrist, a lot of hurt ankles. Because, like, we even saw at the final week of the regular season between the White Sox and and Tigers where Jose Abreu slid into second base extremely hard and then also called as the, caused a little scruffle out there at second base. People like to, players like to break up the double play attempts, or when they steal, they like to go in hard. And I mean, granted, they had rules now against that to where, like, don't go in as hard to second base or try to break up a double play, which 
you should always still do because it's still a baseball play. You it, People are going to hurt themselves because the bases are going to be larger. That's how I firmly think of when larger bases, if it's even like a, a two inches, three inches, heck, it could be five centimeters of how they make it larger. It's still going to affect the player when rounding or trying to slide into the bag. It's going to mess things up. And the strike zone comparison thing that I just said, I just came with that on the fly because I didn't even think about it. Home plate is a base. It is. And even though it's called the plate, it's still the base. So are they going to make that larger as well? And then going on to the stealing first base topic. Okay, I had to look this up. Allowing the steal to first base. And this is what the definition of it, of the stealing first base. At any point when the baseball is on the ground, either a wild pitch, a pass ball, or if the catcher simply does not catch a ball cleanly, the batter can take off for first base. Which is interesting. Because usually when there's runner occupied on first base, you can't really take off unless it's a second strike. Um, the the second unless there's two outs and the, it's a drop third strike and you can run to first base that way, which that's the only way in time that you can actually take off the first base is on a drop third strike. So are they saying now when there's a wild pitch or pass ball, we'll say on a one one count, the batter can just oh okay the pass pass the catcher I'm just gonna drop the bat and run to first base if I can make it that. And granted, if that's a 1-1 count pass ball and you know that you're, you're a struggling hitter and you see that, I'm going to take full advantage of that. Honestly, if that's how the ceiling first base is accounted for for this upcoming review or, or this upcoming rules for this, I, I'm okay with that one. Like, that one's actually a good one. The ceiling first base. But then again, I'm also a batter, so I, I don't see many players doing this because of the fact of people are trying to hit home runs. You get paid big bucks to hit home runs. That's... It, that's it's a proven fact. You don't get as much money for stealing bases. You just don't. Look at Whit Merrifield for, for the Kansas City Royals. Whit is... He's a stealing base machine. He is. He will get $20 million less because he cannot put 30 home runs up a season. It, it's, it's just how it works. But... If he gets you know 50 stolen bases a year, he could you know get, raise his salary up maybe $10 million because he's getting himself into scoring position. But if you're trying to steal first base, you're not in scoring position at all. You get in scoring position when you get to second base. So I I, I like it. I don't like it because we're not going to see much of it. That's why I don't like it. But the robot umpires for sure is going to be happening at some point. And then also for reviewing things, we had so many, so many so far in the postseason of, of all things have reviewable instances of you need to... I personally think... During the was it the the Dodgers Braves or was it the the Braves and Brewers Braves and Brewers, there was a, a Luis Urias uh, a ball came off Omar Nevarez's glove hit the hit the ground, but Luis Urias's glove got under it enough to where it looked like it didn't hit the ground from the from the 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 view eye point, but it, it did through replay, and they the ruling on the field wasn't out, but since it was a but since it was a in a foul territory play, they couldn't review it. They could not review the out call, but except it was called an out still. Oh, they gotta they gotta figure out what they can and cannot review. They also need to review check swings because I feel still feel bad for the Giants. I mean, granted, I mean they would have if it was a ball, they probably would have one more pitch and Flores probably would have one more Flores probably would have popped it up or done something with it. Or I mean he could have had a home run. Who knows? It was Max Scherzer pitching. Uh which I mean, granted, he's not gonna give up a home run. But you should be able to review a check swing if it's like on the last play of the game because 
Wilmer Flores in that uh, divisional series between the Dodgers and Giants, he did not swing on that check swing. And I feel completely bad and terrible for him on that, even especially when watching it live. Like, I'm like, that was not a swing. And then they called it a strike. And then when they went to replay, it wasn't a strike or it wasn't a, a, a swing all the way thoroughly, which it was like, oh, come on. Like, you, you got to do better, New York. Do do better do better Major League Baseball with trying to figure out what you can and can't do when it comes to replay. You should be able to replay everything, I believe. Yeah, I think you should. Whether well, it's a check swing, a foul ball, or I mean, they, they review home runs all the time. They review places, things at the bag, or heck, you should be able to review in baseline plays, like whether what's what's a baseline and what's not. Heck, if there's a left-handed batter, why the heck is he all the way in the middle part of the field trying to run and break up a throw on, uh, from the plate on home, which happened during the White Sox. And Astro series, come on, you gotta, you gotta tighten up this rule book. If you want to have replay in this, which I think less replays better or more replays might be better. I don't know. I'm just a a truther when it comes to Major League Baseball because I like the, I like the sport, favorite sport. Want to keep it, keep the integrity of the game alive. But I mean, you're not gonna have that with robot umpires. I'm just saying, you're not gonna have that. Uh, let's try to make some money as we come back from this. This is Sirius McCrane right here on the Bet 1660. Let's try to make some money. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. We're back in at it right here on the Bet 1660. Saturdays with Kramer right here. If you want to get all the action at Kramer Talks. I was going to jump right into it right now. I don't think I'm even going to play my my bad music for this, but uh, for my 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 pickums, they're not pickums. I would say that my my Fanduel, get your Fanduels out right here. But also, I'll be going into Colorado next month, which is going to be it's going to be great. Which uh, which I'm going to when I first cross the border over from Kansas to Colorado, I'm getting my Fanduel sports book out because this was a question that was on foot Bovada. And that's another um, a gambling uh, gambling website ish that's overseas. Um, it says who will have the most improved win total next year in the American League, and the Kansas City Royals are at plus one thousand four hundred. When I get over there, I'm putting a ten dollar bet on that because that payout for that will be over one hundred and forty bucks. Because I think the Royals could finish second place. They're going to have a definitely a better record for next season. And that's probably a lock right there. That you need to bet that right now. If you can, if you have Bovadia, FanDuel, you're somewhere else in the states. Maybe you're listening to out in the Nevada or Illinois or Colorado right now, and you see that the Royals have a plus one forty. Take that. Put ten bucks on that. I promise. And also, if you want to put ten bucks on the the Angels plus three fifty, this could be a team that could be lobbying to get Max Scherzer, get Clayton Kershaw to help bolster that 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 pitching rotation because that's what they need. Angels just need pitching. Why don't you just sign a few free agents in this upcoming free agency, which is has a loaded amount of pitching. Heck, they can even go out there and sign Robbie Ray. Why not? Angels three fifty. Put ten bucks on that. It's like thirty five dollars right there. Do that. You also. Put five dollars on the Orioles. That that's plus three fifty two. I mean, they they only won like what forty eight games last year. You, I would definitely put money on the Orioles, Angels, and Royals for this upcoming season to have a better record than they what they did this season. But let's get into our daily fantasy for this upcoming Sunday. Your quarterback you should definitely take this week is against the Eagles. Derek Carr, who's going against the against the Eagles, but the Raiders have switched from a run heavy offense for the past two years to a pass heavy offense this year. 
Derek Carr should have over 300-plus yards and a few touchdowns against this terrible Eagles defense. This defense is not good, so definitely take Derek Carr in this one. At running back, take Joe Mixon against the Ravens. This is a running back who can get it done from the ground and through the air, which makes him a favorable target for Joe Burrow. And it's also against a division, a division foe, and you would want to think that the, the Bengals are trying to go all out and beat the Ravens here, especially the Ravens at 5-1 and one currently, which the only loss they've lost to is the Las Vegas Raiders. But Joe Mixon, make sure you start him because he's just going to keep running it down the throats no matter how good or how bad the defense is going up against him. At the other second running back spot, take Devontae Booker of the New York Giants. We're taking on the Panthers this week with Saquon Barkley out. Booker last week had a decent week. 12 rushes, 41 yards, with also four catches of 28 yards, which sparked him at nine. But this is a week against the the Panthers defense to where you can, you know, you have you can put some faith and accountability in Booker to get a touchdown, which also at five thousand eight hundred fan duel dollars, that's a steal right there. At wide receiver, take AJ Brown versus the Chiefs. This is the first legit test the secondary has had, the Chiefs secondary has had since the Chargers game, which they lost. Because, I mean, the Chiefs have also played the Washington football team. And, I mean, I mean, granted, they also played the the, the Bills, who has a has a good offense. But they, I mean, yeah, we, we know. But here's the thing. A.J. Brown, start him. Start A.J. Brown because the, they're, they're going to expose this Chiefs secondary. That's what they're going to do. At the other wide receiver spot, take Corey Davis against the Patriots. I can see the Jets targeting Davis in this one to keep the game close. I mean, the Jets aren't going to win this game by, by any means necessary. But the Corey Davis will get his targets. At your other wide receiver spot, take Hunter Renfro versus the Eagles. Carr's favorite reliable target at the short range. And he can get open and you can work the field north to south. And that's just what you need for a, a third down guy that's going to be getting the ball every third down to get that first down. So take Hunter Renfro as your third wide receiver spot. At tight end, take Kyle Pitts against the Dolphins. Two straight weeks. Yes, I said it. Two straight weeks with nine receptions. And with last week being able to go over 100 yards and also with a touchdown when he was over in London taking on that game. Yeah, no, this, uh, this should carry over this week against the Dolphins to start Kyle Pitts. At my flex, before I get to my flex, I went to defense, and I took the Giants over the Panthers because, being honest, I picked the Giants because it was the cheapest defense and that was at least somewhat decent, and they're going against the Panthers. That's why I took the Giants. But at flex, I had enough money for this guy. I, I did. I, I, I went out and reached for him, but, I mean, it's, it's not reaching because I'm starting Derrick Henry as my flex this week against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are historically bad uh, defense right now. Like The defense is so bad. Granted, they had a, a good game last week. They had a good second half against the, the the Bills, but they still lost that game. And they, I mean, they beat the football team last week. But it's Derrick Henry. He's built like a take. Take Derrick Henry as as much as you can. So yeah, no, you could take these if you want. Remember, you can always use these lineups. But if it doesn't make you money, then you cannot blame me because I am not an expert. So once again, take Derrick Hart, your quarterback. Your running backs should be Joe Mixon and Devontae Booker. Your wide receivers should be A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Hunter Renfro. Your tight end slot being Kyle Pitts. Your flex being Derrick Henry, which, I mean, if you want to interchange one of your running backs to your flex, like Devontae Booker put him out of his flex, you can if that that what it adds that, that tickles your fancy to do that. But Derrick Henry at your flex, just make sure you have them in there. And then defense, take the New York Giants. We're going to come back, answer your questions. Also, the NHL's in better hands. We'll discuss that next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on The Bet 1660. Back at it right here on The Bet 1660. Saturdays with Kramer. I'm Kramer here. You can follow me on Twitter at Kramer Talks. You can also listen to this on podcasted over on Spotify, actually. You can listen to it over there. You can also listen to it on Anchor. You can listen to it on Stitcher. You can you can uh, any, anywhere in your podcast distri- distribution areas. 
you can definitely get the recap of what happened has had happened on this show today. And if you also haven't done so, I have a YouTube channel. Go to the Kramer Sanso Network on YouTube. I'm just, uh, I think, two subscribers shy of 1,400. So if you can get me there, that would be awesome. Like all the videos you hear and see, and uh, yeah, and, and do all that. Yeah, support out a support out a guy. Support him out. But yeah, no. As we have about five minutes left here, about five, six, seven minutes left to here on uh, on the show of Saturdays with Kramer here on the Bet 1660. The NHL is in better hands, I believe, because especially with how the, the season started, which has started off insanely hot, insanely well. Um, especially with, uh, starting off about a, a week ago, the NHL moved over from the NBC network all the way to the ESPN. And they're also going to be on TNT as well, which are bigger networks that where people like to watch television or sports or anything like that. And unlike NBC, all does is just sports. And then I can't honestly with NBC coverage, I do not know what's on that, that station. Like, I think it's just, I mean, I know it's huge. I know NBC is a big market. For I mean, for people to tune in, but I think ESPN and TNT cater to the cater to the NHL fans rather than what NBC did. And and the thing also with the NHL, the on ice advertisements I thought were spectacular to see because I mean they had hey make sure you check out the NHL on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, YouTube, and that can bring in a huge and younger audience, especially the TikTok generation of people. They are being able to, they can post up a, a 15 to 50 to a minute. Honestly, I don't know how what, what the, the TikTok algorithm is because I do not use TikTok. I do not get on it. I just, I, it's not like I, 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 shy, I, shy, I, like I go away from it. It's more of the, I do not feel like learning this, so I'm just going to stick with my Twitter and YouTube. I'm good with that. Uh, but it's going to bring in a, a younger audience, especially on ESPN and also on TNT because, I mean, TNT knows the drama. And usually Wednesday nights and... NHL land is usually rivalry, so TNT, since they know drama, they, they're they going to put the rivalry on their station, which is obviously good, especially on Wednesday nights, too. you got the NHL. You also have uh, the AEW, so wrestling and hockey. I mean, what's what could go what could go wrong with that? I, I absolutely enjoy that. So, I mean, there's also fighting when it comes to hockey, so it's kind of cool that way. But, like, I mean, of course, I always put polls out on my Twitter saying whether or not this is a good idea or a bad idea, but 90% of the vote said this is... This this is the coverage that the NHL finally deserves. Like that's it's a yes. This it's perfect for the for the NHL. It's perfect for its brand to make sure it gets out there and uh, gets people to tune in and also be invested into the NHL, which is which is obviously what I always want. But it's also a there's a niche or a select number of people who actually watch the NHL. But, I mean, I'll get more into it when it comes into when baseballs are with, which is going to be relatively soon. But, yeah, no, let's go ahead and answer your questions right now. Um, uh, Kobe sent me a question saying, best question that you put, which quarterback on the Jags? And who would it have a better season? Whether if it's because, whether it's the out of these players. So, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, or Justin Herbert. Who would do better in the Jags in that QB situation? Honestly, I feel like Josh Allen, out of all three of these, out of all like all of the other three, I feel like Josh Allen would have the the better chance of being able to help the Jags with how that offensive scheme works. Patrick Mahomes would not work in that system. I still firmly believe Patrick Mahomes can only work with Andy Reid. Justin Herbert, I would like to think he would be the answer, but I feel like Justin Herbert's just like Trevor Lawrence in this situation. But Trevor Lawrence is clearly better, but it would just be a little bit regressed. 
Uh, Lamar Jackson doesn't fit in this scheme whatsoever because this is not a, a, a run-heavy slide of offense. So I think Josh Allen would do better because of his arm, his arm strength, his arm accuracy, and the fact if he needs to be mobile, he can actually be mobile. So I think Josh Allen would be better if he was on the Jags out of these four uh, players to have a better season. Also, what's more important, a wide receiver one or a running back one? Seems like league's going more pass-heavy, and the way the running back get injured a lot frequently, so is it better to have a, a stud wide receiver or a stud running back? I still think a, a running back, It's when it comes to fantasy football, you need to have your running backs. You need to have your dominant running backs because I, granted, with what I do when I play fantasy football is I get the tight ends. I make sure to get a tight end first round or second round, and if not, I'll go for a wide receiver because I can always pick up that, that running back between the middle of the pack. That's going to be a consistent no matter what, probably be longevity-wise as well. I I also am a guy that drafted Leonard Fournette in most of my leagues, and he's actually done decently well. I, I don't get the, the big Nick guy running backs, but I'm more of a make sure to get a um, uh, to, to get at least a, a guy that's going to get 20 rushes or 20 attempts. So, I mean, I would say get the running back no matter what, but then wide receiver second. Um, there was a ESPN yesterday said, who's a, who would you rather have? Derek Henry or Patrick Mahomes? Granted, I, I actually absolutely like the idea of picking and choosing. This is what Tim Tebow had to say on first take. Is dominating the most at their position compared to the rest of the NFL is Derrick Henry. So I would pick Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry, what he is doing right now is different than any other running back. And yes, there's a difference between running backs and quarterbacks and quarterbacks are more valuable. But who is dominating at their position the most, maybe the most in the NFL is Derrick Henry. What he did last week was ridiculous. And by the way, he's also going to get better throughout the year. That doesn't happen for most running backs. Almost 800 yards, 10 tuds. Everybody knows he's getting the ball and he still runs over people so i'm gonna go with Derek. that is what i feel like makes my argument more credible because i would like to say for just one season just one season if it was just one season in general take derrick henry or patrick mahomes i would like to take derrick henry because if i can get a quarterback like say ryan Tannehill or say jimmy garoppolo i just need a guy to hand it off to him and knowing that derrick henry's gonna get six plus yards per carry I mean, granted, if you go back into the 60s, the 70s, and the early 80s, this is exactly what they did to score touchdowns. They made sure to, to uh, you know, get the get the running the ball down the field that way. So, for one season, I'll take Derrick Henry, but for an entire career, give me Patrick Mahomes. He's going to keep me in the game no matter what, and no matter how long impossible it's going to be. So when I, yeah, give me give me Derrick Henry for one season, give me Patrick Mahomes for. The, the the career wise but yeah no this has been Cyrus with Kramer right here on the best 1660 thank you all for tuning in sorry once again about last week but that week's uh, long gone from here on out I'll be on here until I get kicked off from spec which I don't see it happening anytime soon which I hope fingers crossed that way but yeah everybody stay safe out there hopefully you watch and enjoy football this tomorrow of course but yeah this is with Kramer up at Kansas City You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660.